What is up, everybody? Mark on the mic here, joined by Garrett Prawl, DIY sportsman. Now, Garrett, you've got one heck of a, a platform that you've built, and we're not talking tree stand platforms or saddle platforms. We're talking uh, YouTube platforms, other things. The topic today is going to be maybe even hunting from those platforms, or at least the physical ones, but the topic is gun hunt like a bow hunter. I think oftentimes, you know, people maybe they might just bow hunt, they might just gun hunt. A lot of folks do both, like you, Garrett, and then actually me as well. Um, and because of the effective range of a firearm, I think oftentimes people think, well, I need to be able to shoot far. And um, I don't think that's uh, necessarily always the case. It can give you an advantage, but you might want to start thinking like a bow hunter. But before we get too deep into the topic, Garrett, since this is your first time joining us, and I'm going to quit talking this uh, and end this lengthy intro. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about DIY Sportsman. And uh, give us a little background of uh, how you got here today. Yeah, thanks, Mark, for having me on. I grew up in Wisconsin uh, hunting since I was 12. And then I moved to uh, Minneapolis area right now. So I do a lot of my hunting just kind of in the upper Midwest, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin. I've gone out to Iowa a couple times, uh, travel trips to Missouri, Nebraska. But uh, ultimately, I, I do a lot of my hunting just locally from as early as I can possibly do it in early September until usually as late as I can possibly do it into December and even January. And I uh, have been making YouTube videos that started out mostly as kind of how to's about mobile hunting, setting up tree stands, uh, how to use tools to more effectively scout and that sort of thing. And have started doing, you know, filmed hunts and have kind of grown it from there. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, you were just, we were talking, we were pre-casting, as we often do around here. It sounds like you've been doing some some trad bow hunting. So it's like trad bow, compound, rifle hunting, you kind of do it all, huh? Yeah, I enjoy them all for, you know, different, similar reasons, but also, you know, different reasons as well. Very cool. Usually by the time I get to rifle season, I'm, I'm ready to just, you know, have a little bit different experience after grinding for so many months with the bow. Oh, I know. I mean, some I've I've said it before on the podcast, but sometimes I swear the only the only reason that I bow hunt is so I can get back at him with the rifle at at the end of the season. <laughs> so, um, but uh, well, cool, man. Well, you know, let's let's talk about this. You know, like I said, the the topic gun hunt like a bow hunter. Like, what would that? Like, what are some things that people who are going to go out gun hunting, you know, might want to be thinking about when they hit the woods? I think one of the big ones, and again, assuming we're talking generally about land that's going to get pressured, whether it's, you know, the, the local family land where you got a whole bunch of people on, maybe they're not all on the same page doing their own thing, or maybe it's public land, trying to think about where those deer are going to end up once the pressure hits. And in a lot of times, those places aren't going to be the areas where we might be able to leverage the long range capabilities of a shotgun or a rifle. And I've had a lot more success setting up in areas where maybe my best shot opportunity is 40, 60, maybe even 70 yards. Uh, and it might be even a, a tight pinch point between, you know, two bedding areas where my longest shot might be 30 yards. It might actually be a, like very similar to a, a rut style pinch point type of uh, setup. The only difference is you're handling a you know rifle instead of a bow. Now, when, when you're setting up on that pinch, is that, are, is that essentially going to be just, uh, I guess, an area that provides uh, cover so that deer feels secure, but it's almost more of an escape route when they're maybe going to go back into some thicker stuff or to a bedding area then? Or like, what, what do you think is happening when you're in that spot? 
it's usually always going to be some type of relationship really close to whatever the deepest cover that you're going to have on that area. And it's kind of always this, this, you're playing this game where you're looking at the land size too, because I've gone into a lot of places that were maybe smaller and I go sit on the edge of that cover and then a bunch of guys come up with their flashlights an hour before first light and you can hear the deer running past you and they're in the heaviest, thickest cover before it even cracks first light. Uh, but if you have a bigger uh, piece of land, I've had deer just filter in throughout the day and you got guys in you know the big wood lot three quarters of a mile away and you're sitting out over you know a swamp or something. And maybe you would think if you're high enough up, you can shoot down into it. But the reality is a lot of times, even in those scenarios, you might have alder brush or, or whatever else that's effectively limiting your range to say 50, 60 yards. And you might have deer filter through you, you know, 10 AM noon, three in the afternoon, like pretty much all day. Um, and that's maybe a little bit of a departure from how I would strictly try to set up from like a bow hunting perspective, but it's similar in just the, the thought process about being where you need to be. Yeah. What about, you know, what about on maybe even an unpressured property? I, I know uh, a lot of us don't have the luxury of being on the unpressured properties, but are there times when you would still set up, um, in a spot where you don't have the luxury of being able to see that far? Probably. I mean, it depends probably if it's, what am I after? Am I after, you know, the biggest buck that's on the property that I know of? Am I just trying to put meat in the freezer, shoot some does? If it's the latter, then I might be more likely to sit in an area where I can just let the deer filter out. Maybe I can get in and out really nice and easy and uh, be able to, to leverage that. If you know that the neighbors are going to be doing a bunch of deer drives, that would affect it too. Maybe if I got that thick spot on the property where I'm just going to sit there and wait for the neighbors to push all the deer in. Yeah, for sure. I know, like, sometimes I think of... Uh gun season and, and it's hard to, well, well for instance, I, I've, I've hunted a couple pieces of private actually where, um, there's a mix of, of timber, some good pinch points, a little bit of marsh. Uh, and then there's like an open egg field in the, uh, kind of in the, the epicenter of it. Right. And, uh, bow hunting at great property would always see, you know, uh, you know, a lot of deer, some really nice bucks, and then the interesting thing was, though, and I never, I never gun hunted the property, but whenever the folks that gun hunted the property would gun hunt it, all the, um, they had box blinds. So they'd go from, from these tree stands that are set up in these, you know, travel corridors where all the deer are moving through during the bow season. And they transitioned to box blinds to shoot over that big open field. And I always thought to myself, I'm like, why not go just to all those deer stands that you've been bow hunting out of where you've been having close encounters with really nice bucks at like, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards or whatever, but it was also really thick in there. And it's like, or, or you might have a deer that goes by, it's like, oh, it's, you know, 80 yards, 90 yards, hundred yards. But you, man, if you had that rifle, like it's a done deal. It's just with the bow, you know, you're having, it's a little bit more challenging, obviously with the uh, shorter effective range, I'd say particularly in you know, where it's a little bit harder to thread the needle in, in some of that brush. And so that's an example that, you know, that I think about where I'm like, man, like you've got, you're just thinking about it like rifle hunting, like, like you almost like you have to, like you have to set up where you can shoot that far. And I just don't think that's always the best spot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And even on a smaller scale, we get the same stuff when we're trying to pick tree stands for the rut, right? It's like, I want to be able to sit here so I can access, you know, potentially four different trails, but maybe the right trail is this one over here and you can only shoot at that one. Same yeah. kind of mentality. I am very much guilty of that one, actually. We're like, oh, I want to be able to shoot, you know, both sides where, you know, you're just, you're putting yourself potentially in a little bit of a no man's land where you're not going to get the right opportunity. You might see them, 
or, you know, a buck that you want to shoot but not getting the right opportunity. Um, any other tips, you know, for, for gun hunters out there that they might be able to learn from, you know, uh, bow hunters? I, I think, you know, one thing that I see from guys who are just strictly gun hunters, a lot of times the only time they spend in the woods might be the gun season itself. Maybe the weekend before you'll see them out there, you know, looking at spots, prepping tree stands for the, you know, the next week or whatever. But if they would take the time to go out there and say like March, April, you know, before you get green up and, and kind of really take the time, take a full weekend and learn the land a little bit more, that can really help you refine and spend a lot more of your time allocation toward learning where you really need to be. And that's really going to help your uh, positioning, I think, during the fall. Um, if you find the right spot, a lot of times, even if there is a lot of pressure, those deer will act very naturally. They might not act like they're pressured if you're deep enough into the property and in a place where they're not expecting that pressure. For sure. And I mean, uh, another thing, and I'm really glad you brought that up because that's definitely something that I see a lot here in Wisconsin, um, you know, and, and some contrast, I'd say we're making, uh, speaking in generalities here, this is definitely not everybody, right? But, you know, like, uh, for instance, like, you know, my brother-in-law, man, he was like out scouting and, you know, spring and, you know, trimming stands and, and doing that even then went back in the summer trimmed a little bit more stuff out getting a stand set like he's always doing all that pre-work you know before archery season so when he gets in when bow season hits like he's ready to rock right in contrast again generalities you know it's the day you know two days before gun season you know a day before gun season you know guys are going in with four wheelers hanging stands putting you know getting the ladder stand out of out of its box you know and and obviously some pretty intrusive activity that the deer are not used to and then you know going to go sit in that stand like the very next day and i think that's just a a huge point that you made is like hey do that pre-work do that scouting on the front end get those stands hung and set up you know in advance so all you have to do is sneak in quiet get up and uh hopefully let let good things happen yeah i think the other thing that has helped me a little bit too. And this is not necessarily from where to set up perspective, but more of an execution standpoint is it seems like, you know, with archery, we're practicing all summer, right? For the most part with rifle, it's, I fall into this. I get out there whenever there's an open range day, I make sure that my gun's still dial in at a hundred and I go hit the woods. And for guys that are probably more used to opening or hunting more open ground, they might just be like, yeah, I'm going to have a nice solid shooting rest. Like it's just something you think about but when you're hunting in these tighter areas. I think there's the uh, temptation a lot of times to just shoot offhand, which I do a lot of times, but I've also found that even if I capitalize on the shot, I might walk up to the animal and be like, Oh, wow, I was off by six inches. It still killed the deer, but you know, I need to either get better at my, you know, offhand shooting technique, find a way to do that. Or, um, I feel like when I have started hunting with a saddle more, I can actually use the trunk of the tree a lot of times as somewhat of a rest or from hunting out of like a tamarack tree or something, I can use a limb for that extra shooting rest. And the, just the confidence that you get when uh, squeezing the triggers, I feel like so much greater when I'm able to have that nice steady crosshairs. A hundred percent. I mean, you look at like bow hunting, it's like, what have you seen happen over time? Like, oh, I used to see like, oh, here's a little shorty stabilizer out front, you know, and it's like, you know, front stabilizers are you know, you see a lot of guys going longer, longer, longer. Now we're adding back bars. Some things, some of those are getting longer, longer, longer. I think at some point you kind of, uh, you know, the practicality in hunting, I think there's a balancing act there, but what, what's that stabilizer doing? It's stabilizing the bow, essentially, you know, providing not a rest, but you're stabilizing the bow. And that's exactly what getting a rest does. Um, 
and I mean, you nailed it. If you can get a rest, get a rest, and it might take not shooting right away. It's like, okay, wait, before I shoot, let me go 10 yards and creep up to that fence post, get a rest. Or instead of uh, shooting ho- offhand, man, can, do I have a backpack on? Can I sit down and, you know, use my backpack as a rest? Do I need to invest in a set of shooting sticks, which I am a huge proponent of shooting sticks. Um, and I've even carried shooting sticks into a tree stand before. So, um, a lot of things you can do, like you said, you can use the tree, you know, um, use limbs on trees, but it might take you a couple more seconds, but it might also be the difference between uh, a hit and a miss. It's funny. I mean, there's just so many things that I feel like, uh, you know, gun hunters can learn from bow hunters. Bow hunters can learn from gun hunters. There's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of, uh, you know, uh, crossover there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think the big one for me is like almost like hunting those bow-style spots, if you will. But you just got the advantage of having that rifle in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really the, the biggest thing, which obviously makes the shot execution a lot easier, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I always have to keep telling myself is even if I'm in some of those tighter areas, if you got guys walking through, it's like, yeah, don't really care. Like for all we know, the next guy that walks through might push a deer through, you know, that tight little area that I have a good shot in, uh, which is always tough. I think mentally to, to overcome if there is a lot of pressure, but if you're back in the spots that make more sense from a, you know, a nice tight quarters perspective and where the deer actually want to be, you're going to run into less people because people are not going to gravitate as much to that. And it seems like the people that do try and go into that stuff, because I think that's where the deer are. A lot of times I see them just walking through and they'll be busting deer out and not getting shot opportunities at them because the cover is too thick. And if you have the right vantage point, you're going to get those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say that they're probably oftentimes not even seeing or knowing that that deer was there. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a big one too, is, you know, using, it's funny, you, you go, uh, you go into the woods, you're like, Oh, I want to get away from it all and have, you know, solitary experience, but that pressure isn't always a bad thing. And like you said, you can definitely capitalize on it. Yeah. Yeah. And some of those spots take, you know, a couple of years to figure out guys come in from locations and places you didn't expect, but then the next year you got to figure it out. Is that something that you'll actively kind of like maybe on the aerials or things like that be like, okay, here's an access point. Here's an access point. You know, here's an access point. You know, I think the deer are likely going to, you know, retreat into this area and then you pinpoint that. Yeah, I definitely do that. And then also the, uh, the scouting in the off season and just the time you spend in the woods during that rifle season. I find a lot of times, especially in Wisconsin, you might have, let's say 70% of guys who are mostly staying in the hardwoods. And a lot of times they're just hunting, say like opening weekend, but then you'll get those few guys. Let's say there's some marsh on that particular piece of land that might be out there with, you know, sitting in a tamarack tree where they can see 200 yards and they'll sit there the whole entire season. Well, you might not know that that guy's doing that the first year, but if you would have scouted it in the off season, you might've seen the screw and steps, you know, still in the tree or, or something along those lines or the, the limbs trimmed, or maybe the guy left out a, a set wick or something, uh, which with the rut timing and the, firearms timing Minnesota, you find a lot of set wicks from gun hunters because the seasons coincide with the rot. Um, so that can definitely help out the off season and then seeing guys, you know, actually in the season, then you go back to the map, say, okay, now that I know where a lot of this pressure actually is and is coming from what's getting missed and then figure out a way to hunt that. Gotcha. I like it, man. I like it. You're getting me pumped for gun season. Um, 
what uh anything else anything else we missed here anything else that, uh, folks might want to be thinking about that off the top of your head uh, i would say treat it to, if there's more pressure treat it more like bow hunting during the rut than bow hunting in like the early season or late season meaning try and stay out there all day if you can make sure you're dressed appropriately make sure you got snacks or whatever you need to stay out in the tree because so often those opportunities can come at any time of the day where you might not be expecting it versus maybe you know muzzleloader season it could be a different thing if you're not getting that much pressure for sure for sure and man like yeah it's like all these great points i mean you'll see it a lot you know i'm sure you see it i know i've seen it too everybody presses in in the morning you know so like you know deer you know they're moving more in the morning naturally oftentimes but then now you've got this pressure of people moving through getting to where they want to sit or stand or you know do a drive they're moving deer then then you know 10 11 it's cold you're hungry you know the 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 house is calling or just getting warmed up as your truck and if if you're you know in your truck for a little bit or whatever that is people gravitate out if you're not one of the people that leaves they're going to move those deer again at that, you know, 10, 11, 12 time frame, and you're going to get that midday buck. And then on the same way for the evening, people go out for the evening hunt and they're moving back deer back through. And, you know, essentially you're just capitalizing on a bunch of uh, random mini deer drives all day. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I like it. I like it. Well, awesome, man. I know... Um, I'm out of ideas unless you've got any, any more that you're just like, I mean, every time I ask a question, you come up with another good one. So maybe you got another <laughs> good one up your sleeve. I don't know. No, I think we covered most of the basics I and mean, there's always a lot of specifics, but a lot of specifics are very property, you know, property independent. So for sure, for sure. Well, awesome, man. I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, appreciate the tips. Lots of really, really solid advice there. Uh, yeah. You know, if you haven't been, Maybe you need to start gun hunting like a bow hunter. And uh, if you haven't been checking out Garrett, where, where can they find you? Uh, best place is probably the DIY Sportsman YouTube channel or DIY underscore Sportsman on Instagram. Awesome, man. Awesome. Check them out. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, good luck, good luck out there, and we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>